This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, here today with Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg, and Wilts Cotrere, information technology expert at New Core Steel and IT instructor at Holmes Community College. So, you're in the market for a new computer, huh? But uh, you have no idea, like me, what kind to get, how much to spend, or just how much RAM you really need. What does that mean in the first place? What's the new technology? Should you get a PC, or should you get a Mac, desktop, or laptop? Whatever I get, is it going to be already outdated five minutes after I get it home and out of the box? Wilts and Jeremy are going to talk and walk with you through all the nuts and bolts of finding your new computer this morning. And as always, we'll take your personal tech-related questions and comments. We'd love to hear from you by calling us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio is on the way after the news from NPR. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson and Wilts Contreras. I'm Jay White, and uh, we are asking for your calls about personal tech-related questions or your comments. It's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. And today we're talking about uh, being in the market for a new computer. Um, how much do you spend? How much RAM do you need? What are all those little, what are those different letters? There's RAM for this, and then there's RAM for that. What's the difference? Is it the same? Why are the numbers different? What do the numbers mean? What's the new technology? PC or Mac? De- desktop or laptop? And of course, as I mentioned in the, the intro, I think the thing that most people are scared of is that for the amount of money that you may be spending, there are very approachable and very affordable computers that you can buy. But if you are dishing some money out, is this thing going to be – is it like a car which depreciates in value as soon as you drive it off the lot? Is this thing going to be outdated by the time I get it home and out of the box? So we want to hear from you. Are you thinking about buying a new computer? Are you in the market for a new computer like I kind of am, but you just have no idea exactly what you need for the things that you want, and you're kind of afraid or tentative to pull the trigger on getting a new computer like me. You could, you could call us up today and tell us the things that you are wanting to do with a new computer, and the guys could probably put you on the right, uh, in the right direction. Well, you know, that's the, really, that's the first question you always have to ask. People are always talking about, uh, well, what do, I need, what do I need a new computer? And I think Jeremy and I have uh, probably said this once or a thousand times. That, that, that question has to begin with a question, and what do you want to do with it? Yeah. Um, if you're talking about checking some emails and maybe a little light web surfing and, and a little bit of social media, that's one thing. If you're talking about you're wanting a gaming rig or you're going to do heavy photo or audio editing and things, you're talking about a whole different thing. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like buying a car. Are you looking for a car to get you back and forth to work? Are you going to do long road trips? Do you got to haul a lot of lumber? You know, right. what do you want to do with it? And, and computers are just that versatile. Let's uh, let's get into uh, the the news of the week. What's uh, burning on your guys' uh, brains this morning? Jeremy, start us off. All right. So I would say probably the biggest news for this week is what SpaceX is doing with their program. Uh, they're calling Starlink. They are currently launching 60 satellites into Earth's orbit to create the first high-speed Internet. Uh, wow. Based entirely on this satellite network. So they are really trying to shake up the internet game right now. This is really, really exciting because, as you know, we're sort of under uh, monopolistic uh, nature at the moment when it comes to the internet, and this will certainly shake that up quite a bit. So, I mean, what does that, what does that mean? I mean, I, I think a lot of people here in Mississippi probably just chose between a couple of companies to if install. If you even get a choice. Sometimes you just get one. That's true. Uh, a fiber optic cable in their neighborhood to get you know the new super high super uh, uh, super fast wi-fi or whatever i'm trying to say super fast internet but what is it how is this different from that well that's why i said we've been operating under monopolistic uh uh situation because most people only have like one or two choices so it's not really it's not a good situation as far as internet goes but this will create a global broadband so you subscribe to this i imagine you can have a little thing that you attach to your device that can connect you anywhere you go now 
the first 60 satellites is is just a small start. They're going to need to put about 4,425 into orbit to actually achieve the desired coverage. So that's a lot, a lot of money, a lot of fuel, a lot of planning, and um, it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, a lot of rockets. Uh, there is a picture of a uh, SpaceX Dragon that is loaded up with these 60 satellites, and they're just stacked inside this thing. Wow. Really cool. Yeah, we should post that to our Facebook page. Absolutely. We definitely Ooh, do. It's very nice. It's very nice. Uh, I, I saw uh, what he did there. It's yeah. very, very nice. Very well done. Uh, we do, We our, our Facebook page is, is back up and running. Technically, technically, I found out it was never taken down, but... We do have our Facebook up and running. We're putting links on there, and we're providing uh, uh, content for you to kind of stay in touch with the gang and, and uh, uh, feed your inner tech beast or flower or whatever it is that you have yeah. on the inside of you. Uh, that's uh, facebook.com forward slash everyday tech MPB. There we go. And our numbers are climbing, so come be part of the family. So yeah. I, my first thought is, Jeremy, that that's, I mean, uh, satellites aren't free. 60 of them are less free. 60 packed up in one thing being launched into space that's not uh, free. is even more less than not free. So uh, that's, a lot of, uh, that's a lot of investment on the front end by somebody, and uh, that's going to be passed on to customers, I would expect, at some point. What, what do you think that uh, access to it? You talked about the, the way that, that I guess, uh, communications companies kind of buy themselves uh, by and large, uh, monopolies in certain markets and things like that, or, or exclusive access is probably what they would call it. Right. Um, how, how will this differ? I mean, who will you have, if you're a person on the ground, how will you access this to get to it? You know, uh, they haven't really laid out all those specifics yet, but I'm sure that you'll have, you know, some kind of a receiving module that you set up in your home, just like a, you know, a modem or anything else. I mean, like, we already have some satellite internet. It's not the greatest in the world, but I mean, it, it basically operates the same as your. It, you just your modem is hooked up to a satellite on top of your house, and that's how you communicate. I'm gonna uh, direct they, TVs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it may be something different. They haven't really included a lot of details because they got to get the the network up and going first. Yeah. But you did bring up something that 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 really could be a cause for concern, and that's they're the only ones that are watching this type of thing so are we going to go from a monopoly here on the planet to a monopoly on the internet in space <laughs> well, kind of you know like supposedly elon musk is doing this for the people and he wants to save the internet so hopefully he's got good intentions and a good payment plan set up well and you know here's the thing too though it, it, it's an it becomes another option we're not saying this would not necessarily make the options we have right now obsolete it adds to the mix which just you know brings in more competition and especially when you're looking at areas you know uh we've, we've seen callers many many times that have called in here i mean you know it's no it's no uh secret we have a very rural state in some areas so if you start talking about being able to reliably expand on the access we can give to uh to those folks then that becomes something and in a way, he's not going to t- totally have a monopoly because there is already one company out there in space giving satellite. They've never had any competition. So, hey, maybe this will uh, – maybe if nothing else also, this will drive some innovation in that market. Well, and I'm sure that uh, no governments want any part of this at all uh, <laughs> to, uh, mon- to monetize it for their advantage. No, they would never do such a thing. And probably not a race between China and the U.S. to get to that at some, uh, some point or another. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Um, uh, Jeremy, you mentioned uh, in some notes that I was looking at before the show, um, Samsung uh, back at it again with uh, their uh, flip technology, right? Or fold, foldable technology, not not putting the flip phone back out, but the foldable technology. Yes. Uh, so I don't know if they've given a specific release date yet, but they said that it will be back soon. They seem to have figured out the issues that they had with it, and they are not going to be canceling people's pre-orders unless they are requested to do so. <laughs> yeah, I know. They keep kind of flip-flopping on the whole thing. They keep folding on it, don't they? they um, <laughs> very good. <laughs> very good. 
Very well. Yeah, this is exciting because, you know, we were all talking about how we need to be rooting for the first foldable display because it's a big deal that this thing comes out and it works at least mostly well because it sets the precedent for all the other devices that are coming and there are lots of them. There are foldable laptops that are coming. These, I'm not even sure if I like these. They look neat, but a full display with an attachable keyboard, I, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I saw um, um, uh, the boss, Jason, and I, the guy who hosted the show before us, the Fix-It 101, he was he sent me some information about uh, Lenovo showing off the world's first, quote-unquote, foldable PC, um, which has uh, turned a lot of heads. And a lot of people are wondering, I guess it, it's basically the size of a like a regular book. Um, and when you fold it, and the first thing that people have noticed is that there's no keyboard. Um, that's, I guess, part of the hardware. You would have to buy, you know, kind of like a, an addition to it. Uh, or, you know, maybe you'd have one on screen or something like that, which now, I don't know what it's the... Gonna have, it's going to have both. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the keyboard is Bluetooth. And in the article that I read, it said it was mechanical. I don't know that if it meant it was actually a mechanical keyboard because, you know, when when nerds like me hear the words <laughs> mechanical keyboard, we go, ooh, that's special. Because a mechanical keyboard has physical feedback, and it, it allows you, in my opinion, it allows you to be a better typist because you get better feedback on your fingers. Uh, so if it's a mechanical okay. keyboard, I can see the cost of that going up significantly because it has to have that, uh, or I can see that accessory costing quite a bit if it is mechanical. Now, it could be that it was a misnomer and the person meant a membrane keyboard, but they meant like a physical keyboard. Yeah. There are two totally different things. Do you guys think that this will be, I mean, regardless of the keyboard situation, how accessible do you think this will be price-wise? This uh, one won't be. <laughs> no, I don't think it really will be. It's going to be a few years before these get to the point where everybody's got one folded up in their pocket. Uh-huh. So I, I would say probably uh, three to five years. Okay. It'll probably come down to the point where people will have them readily. But right now, it's just going to be early adopters. Uh, Wilts, With big what's, pockets. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Wilts, what's on your mind this week, man? Well, you know, something kind of came out, and this was a uh, an, an, an unusual news update from Microsoft if we put on our, our history hats, we may remember this operating system that was actually end of the line over five years ago called Windows XP. Yeah. And it probably become as a surprise to, well, pretty much nobody. There's still quite a bit of it out there. Uh, well, five years ago, Microsoft said, okay, no more. We're not supporting it. So there's no security protections. There's no feature updates, anything. Well, apparently some really, really bad malicious software has just came out. Um, and they are actually kind of going back and saying, you know what, because we do recognize that there's so many people out there still with Windows XP, we're going to actually give you a patch for this one because it is just that dangerous. There is a, and this is a little bit nerdy, but it's a remote code execution. Uh, long story short, that just means somebody from far away can control your computer like they're sitting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, vulnerability that's actually a lot of the current operating systems <laughs> are having to... Um, Watch out for Windows 10 is not susceptible to this, but Windows 7, 8, and XP are. Uh, 7 and 8 will get a patch for it via the regular Windows updates, whereas for XP, you're going to have to actually specifically go to the Microsoft site to get this patched up. And if you're like, ah, what kind of big deal is this? Well, they're calling this one, this is a wormable exploit. So what they're, I think what they're really worried about, by wormable, what they mean is once one computer gets infected, it starts crawling through every device that you have looking for other ways. So from a business standpoint, it could be detrimental, even if you just had one XP machine still sitting in there. Yeah. It could catch every one of you. So um, you definitely want to look there. If you're one of those, now we're about to be talking on the show about how to look into another computer. So if you're still running XP, Maybe we can get you out of that world and get you up into Windows 10. But if you are still running XP, you definitely want to go to Microsoft's website. And there's a search term you can look for. You need to look for KB. So that's K as in Keith, B as in Ben. Mm -hmm. uh, 4500331. Again, KB 4500331. 
Uh, you want to go to Microsoft site, search for that, and install that on your Windows XP and make sure that uh, you at least protect yourself from this one. Or stay tuned, and we'll tell you how to get a new computer. Absolutely, and do that as soon as possible. We'll, yes. we'll put uh, that information up on our uh, Facebook page. It's already there. Oh, okay. It's well, already there. there. Yeah, put it up just before the show. Okay. Way to be ahead of the game, Wilts. Yeah. And, yeah. I need to hit the refresh button, evidently. Hey, there we go. <laughs> and, and, you know, and while we're at it, you know, I mentioned Windows 7 will be getting updated. So for those of y'all who like to think a little bit ahead, come January 2020, Windows 7 gets the same faith that XP had. All support will stop. So people do really need to start thinking about you have to move this technology forward because they're not going to support the old stuff anymore. And I will say it seems they, they've been pretty patient with that. For a company that is, you know, out to make money, it is an enterprise, right. uh, that, that they've been pretty patient with moving people along to the newer versions of that. That's something that each of these technology entities, that's something they have to kind of balance, you know, pushing people along, being too pushy, right. trying to look like, they, okay, we're all we're in this for money, which they're business. They are in it for money, but at the same time, taking care of their clients, which oh, exactly. the people are who buy their products. Well, I've always heard, just talking to some Microsoft folks that I know, they say usually the reason what really allows some of those older operating systems to stay productive for so long is generally businesses. You know, for you and me at the house, it's it's not that painful of a uh, experience to go through to move from one computer to the other. But when you move forward to me, for example, over there at Nucor, I've got over 300 PCs, yeah, big 300 network. desktops. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so for us to change all that, that in the afternoon, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it becomes a beast because you know you have all these special customizations that come in, especially from a work standpoint. So yeah, moving an office like to move the uh, computers here at MPB, that, that's a major undertaking that can take years to to make happen. Yeah, especially when it's that guy having yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, as me and Jeremy being that guy, we know how you know, Right. Let's take a call before we take our first break. We've got Craig and Biloxi on the lines with us. Craig, thanks for being patient with us. How are you? Hey, good morning. Yeah, I was wondering if it would be practical to uh, build your own computer or buy one and upgrade it. That's something you see all the time. Uh, Definitely. I've always pretty much built my own. I kind of prefer going that route personally because I have a little bit more control over over what's going inside, it maybe it's just a nerd oh, see, in me. I, if, if you buy your wanna... own, if you buy your own parts, you're going to get better quality stuff than if you went to the store and bought something pre-made. Unless, of course, it was like a gamer rig. But even those, they tend to put more generic motherboards and things in. But if you build it yourself, you can put exactly what you want in it. You don't have to over budget. You can just get exactly what you need, and you can design it for future expansion as well. But okay, a lot. The motherboards, they, I know they changed them like 15 years ago or so. Have they upgraded the motherboards again? Well, the motherboards actually change almost year to year. Uh, the socket types change for the processors. So um, AMD boards are a little bit better about letting you use uh, newer stuff on older boards. Uh, Intel, not so much. Usually after a year or two, you have to upgrade the socket set. But it's always going to depend on what type of processor you're going for and what type of motherboard. But the motherboards, they change every year. In fact, we are on the brink of the uh, the release of the new AMD processors, which will still be backwards compatible with their older motherboards. Uh, so this is, a, this is a really good time to think about designing a new computer because the components from last year are dropping in price because they're about to put out the new ones. And the, the components from last year are more than ample for what you would need to build an awesome rig. So you don't have to wait for the new stuff to come out unless you just want the latest and greatest, which it is going to be pretty late and pretty great. Okay, and the software used to, used to cost more for the software than you could buy a computer for. Uh, how, how's that situation? Uh, most of the software these days has gone to what is called SaaS. That's software as a service where you just pay a monthly fee for it. Um, it is possible to still buy some software outright, and I do recommend that most people do that if they want to avoid that monthly lock-in to that software. But you will miss out on any future updates or anything because all the companies are going towards that subscriber model. Okay, would that like include the, the Windows, the operating system, the, the OS? No, the operating system itself you're going to have to buy a, uh, a retail key for. Uh, so when you build your system, you can actually get an OEM key, which is a little bit cheaper. 
uh, and that can uh, help you with your build as well. And those monthly subscriptions, it can work both ways. I mean, it's like you said, you can get locked into having to pay a company a certain thing, you know, kind of forever or until you want to stop it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it can make things like Photoshop or... Uh, you know, Office. all of those suites, all of those Adobe they, uh, programs in their suite, including uh, Audition, which is radio dorks use, the Office stuff like you just mentioned. Yep, it can make that stuff much, much more approachable for, uh, you know, just the guys, guy or gal who's just kicking it around in their house, trying to learn how to do something or just mess around with it. All right, we'll take our first break here. We've got uh, folks all over the phone lines. We're going to talk to Renee and Utica, Wayne and Long Beach, and Shelby from the capital of the Golden State. We come back from our first break here. It's Everyday Tech. We're talking about computers today. Trying to look for a new computer? We are, are too. Give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White here with Jeremy Thompson and Wiltz Katrer. And today we're talking about getting you into that new computer that you've been looking for. Uh, or do you need a new computer? Is there a way that you can keep that computer you've got and maybe reconfigure it in certain ways or add parts or take away parts? That's a, That can be a slippery slope, though, as, as uh, Jeremy and Wiltz kind of talked about building your own computer. I would love to do that to avoid the bloatware as much as anything else that oh, all new gosh, computers yeah. have. But I don't even want to begin to step out on that diving board to jumping into making my own computer because I have no idea what parts are compatible with the others or if I'm setting myself nope. up to, to fail with the situation. I have no idea how to pick the parts to put them together. So there's a there's this great website out there called PC Part Picker where people have kind of already done that work for you. And it's important that you do know which components are going into it so, because it is possible to get something that's incompatible. I see that a lot when we have people that want to build their own rigs. They come in and they go, man, I got it all put together, but it won't turn on. And I'm like, well, did you check the RAM on the qualified vendors list? And they kind of go blank in the face. And I'm like, yeah, you got you to gotta check that list to make sure that the memory that you put in it is compatible yep. with the board. Because it's possible that you could get the wrong memory and everything works, but it won't boot, even though the memory is fully functional. Um, That's me. <laughs> so, again, that website is PC Part Picker, and you can choose your motherboard, and it'll tell you what types of RAM will fit it and what type of processor will go in it. It will give you all the specs. All right. Uh, let, let's go to the phones. Makes that process a lot easier. I appreciate that. That's a, that is a, a great tip. We'll have to put that on yep. our show page. Let's go to the phones. We have Shelby from Sacramento, California to start us today. Shelby, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for t- taking my question. I have an Asus laptop with a very small solid-state hard drive, and so I added an SD card, uh, and I'm saving to the SD card. All of that's working, but the uh, Windows Update will not recognize it, so I can't update my Windows 10. Um, it keeps saying that I don't have anywhere to put this new update. So is there anything I can do to either make it recognize or some other some way I can get around it so, so that I can update my Windows? So uh, this is definitely something that I caution people about when we talk about buying a newer computer. Those cheap little HP and Asus laptops, I don't know, it's probably about 199 bucks or so. Um, mm-hmm. Those those solid-state drives are barely big enough to hold Windows and a few updates. And you can't put the Windows updates on an SD card. You're going to have to move any, any other additional information that you can over to the SD card to make room for the Windows updates. And if there's just not room, unfortunately, it's just not a big enough drive. And I... I strongly recommend against purchasing these for this exact issue. I help people with this every week in my shop, and it is not going anywhere because Windows 10 is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, well, that helps. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I hate, I hate to be so doom and gloom about it, but <laughs> oh, okay. we, have, we have tried so many times to, to actually go in and wipe those solid-state drives and reinstall Windows. There's not enough space on it to allow it to do that. It's, it's a catch-22. There's, there, it, like, it's mm-hmm. stuck in limbo because there's not enough – you can't free up enough data on it to do anything. And when your drive is so full that your data can't move, it just makes your whole computer just act crazy. 
Well, I'm just glad it's not me, so I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's not you, Shelby, you. 100%. Have a great day. Shelby, right, thanks for care. the call this morning from Sacramento, California. That is just awesome. That just like. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, she's up way early in the morning to call us, too. Yeah, I mean, it's eight thirty. Eight thirty a.m. Okay. Yeah. Wow. We appreciate that. We're like the early morning show over there. That's That's right. Shelby getting the worm here. The morning zoo. Talking about technology this morning. All right. Let's go next to uh, (laughs) Renee, who is uh, not in Sacramento. She's in Utica, Mississippi. Renee, good morning. Good morning. Yes, I would like to know. I uh, accidentally pressed never allow sending third party text number. Is there any way I can undo that? Um, you accidentally pressed it where? When I was in, uh, where I was sending out a third-party number and the screen would come up and show you, like, you you know, you may be charged a fee for this number to send it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm guessing you're on Android? Yes, I am. Okay, you're going to need to go into your text messaging app. And I can't provide you step-by-step because every text messaging app is just a little bit different. But there's going to be a settings menu in that app, most likely in the top right corner. And under SMS or some setting in there, you're going to have to fix that preference to allow you to send to those people. It's got to be in there under your settings somewhere. Okay. Now, if you can uh, send us more details to the show, if you could send us an email, I'd be more than happy to try to assist you further. And that's everydaytech at mpbonline.org. All right. Thank you. Renee, we certainly do appreciate the call this morning. Let's keep it going. We've got Scott coming up next in Madison. Scott, uh, thanks for the call this morning. You're on Everyday Tech. Hey, Scott, go ahead. Hey, Scott, are you there? Hey, what's going on, man? I was calling into regards of a previous caller about building your own computer. Um, so if uh, we decide to go that route and, uh, and we figure out what parts are compatible with others, uh, when we get to the end, do you still have to uh, like set up BIOS? Because I'm not being a computer uh, whiz. Uh, I know you used to have to be able to, have to do all that stuff and. Uh, that's a little over my head. So, do you have something to do Amen. Stuff, or is it kind of more of a, a self-explanatory these days? It's gotten so when it comes, much easier. <laughs> when it comes to setting up uh, your your BIOS and and doing some custom settings, the only one that I really recommend going in there and and checking would be the timing on your memory to make sure that you're using it to its full clock speed. Otherwise, most of that stuff in there that you have to, or that you feel like you might need to go in there and tweak, you do not have to go in there and tweak. Most of that is going to automatically configure itself. But the one okay. thing that I have noticed with our custom builds is that the clock speed of the RAM usually needs to be modified in the BIOS in order to get it to be used to its full potential. Okay. Okay. So basically, after you install the operating system, after the hardware builds is finished, uh, it's kind of a self-explanatory the wizard kind of walks you straight through everything oh, there's yes. not even really a wizard he's actually kind of just back there casting his spells without you having to do anything <laughs> once you once you put the components in he goes i see what you want me to do and he does oh wow that's very good right on okay great well thanks for the help hey scott thanks for the call this morning from madison you can call us up with your computer questions the number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, staying in in line with the morning show would be like the uh, the IO wizard in the back of your computer, IO wizard, or something like that. But I, I like your character better, uh, Jeremy. That was really really Thank good. Thank you. And, and off the cuff too. Very very nice. All right, so we uh, we would love your calls again. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Got to dive into your calls and a little bit of getting into the nuts and bolts of how to approach getting that new computer when we come back from this break. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio.
MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. I'm Nick Spitzer, host of American Roots in New Orleans. We're here to say to all our friends in Mississippi that American Roots will now be heard at 5 p.m. Saturdays, beginning June 1st. Join me for blues and jazz, roots rock and soul, gospel, country, Cajun, and other sounds from the Gulf South and beyond. See you on American Roots, 5 p.m. June 1st at MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Once again, want to uh, encourage you to uh, find our brand new uh, our re brand new that's not right our our brand new facebook page i'll just say oh, it what revived yes new and improved new and improved. our facebook page 2.0 uh, is uh, facebook.com forward slash everyday tech mpb we certainly would uh, encourage you to uh, uh, i guess connect with the show there find our uh, our podcasts which uh, uh, we, we've got some new technology interestingly enough that uh, the the station, the agency here, has kind of uh, uh, partnered up with. That's going to be sending our our podcast out uh, here in the very very near future to all sorts of platforms, including Spotify and Google Play and uh, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and much more. So you'll be able to run into the show almost anywhere you go for uh, any kind of media platform that you including out in Sacramento, California, in Sacramento, yes. California, at any time you would like if you're not an early bird there. Uh, so we would encourage you to, uh, to uh, find us there uh, with the podcast. So uh, we would love your calls, but the phone lines are full, so I'm not going to give out the number because I don't want to set you up. Uh, <laughs> don't want to set point. you up. <laughs> That's right. For disappointment. Right. If you call now, it's going to be, it's going to give you a busy signal and uh, we're too close. I don't want to do that to you. Let's start this segment off with Alan and Brandon. Alan, thanks for calling. How's it going? Hey, Jay, Wilson, Jeremy. Hope everybody's doing well today. Doing great. Uh, Excellent. Sir. Yeah, I, I just want to comment. We're talking about new computers. Don't think it has to be brand new. You can pick up some really good deals on refurbished computers if you know where to shop and stuff. Uh, Amazon's got a lot of them, uh, and there's, you know, there, there's other mail order vendors, too, that are, that are reliable. And uh, it, it, it's like they said at the start of the show, Know what you want, and then uh, then go out and you know, kick the tires and see if you can find it. And, and don't don't think it has to be brand spanking new. I, I got to tell you, the brand new stuff they're trying their hardest to get the things down to as low price as possible. And you can get burned, like yes. Shelby in Sacramento did. If you, if you if you shop just on price, I'm gonna tell you you're gonna end up getting burned. And I'm gonna recommend the people. Grab a little extra money if you can and buy more RAM than you think you might need and buy a bigger hard disk than you think you might need. Anybody that's used computers over a period of time knows they require more and more resources as more time goes on. So uh, uh, the, the, the last thing you want to do is cheap out and, and save $50, and then your computer lasts maybe a year or less because you didn't get enough specs on it. So uh, uh, just like I said, don't rule out refurbished models. Go out and shop, and and you get the best deal. And uh, also, if, if you if you build your own, uh, don't think you're going to save a lot of money. I got to tell you, I built one a number of years ago, and I mean, it, I mean, it was great. It lasted me like a real long time, but it it cost it cost more than it did for me to go out and buy something comparable uh, at a store. But uh, but it was better. I mean, it had exactly what I wanted and it had better parts and stuff. So. Uh, just kind of keep all that in mind. Definitely agree on that. When it when it comes to the parts that you get for the computer, uh, there's lots of bells and whistles that they can come with nowadays, fancy lights and all this stuff that you may not need that you do get charged extra for. Um, and also you can get uh, weaker memory, you know, that's not doesn't have near the, the clock speeds that the newer, the faster, better stuff does, but it can also be 
cheaper as long as it's compatible with your board. And I wanted to add one more thing to the refurbished units, which I totally recommend. Just make sure that you're getting a good one-year warranty with it. A lot of those refurbs these days are throwing out that 90-day warranty, and that just really isn't long enough to see if the computer is going to last. Right. Very interesting. Alan, man, we appreciate the call from Brandon this morning. Okay, thanks, guys. That's interesting. That's 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 something I would not have thought about getting the one year warranty instead of the ninety day warranty. I think that's that that might be something that a lot of people skip right over and don't really think about in terms of the long term worth of it. Well, it's it's like it's a pattern these days. You know, you buy something from uh, a vendor and you get a warranty on it, and it's usually one year, and that's just kind of an expected thing. But with refurbs, they can always throw that in as an exception, saying 90-day warranty because it's a refurb. And let me I – mean, well, one of the things that I would have in the past been worried about, I think a lot of people buy, maybe you know, spend money, even a lot of money on smaller things, and they kind of – they're okay with the idea that people are shipping them something smaller, but something like a computer can be big and heavy. And I don't know if I'm, if this is going to be in the hands of a lot of people before it gets to me, a lot of people that don't care about this thing, like I'm going to care about it. Don't, don't put into their minds that it costs this much amount of money that, that I've put into it. It may not necessarily trust a computer being shipped to you through like a, you know, an, a, an internet vendor or an international vendor or something like that. How do you go about considering something like that? Well, I'm kind of, I guess I'm still a little bit old-fashioned in some ways. I like to actually put my hands on it. I'm, I'm much more of a shop local. I have I have a, a harder time with distance on my technology, especially when it comes to laptops. A big problem that I've seen a lot of folks come up with with laptops, not nearly so much the, the hands is passing through and maybe, you know, that, that potential of damage from coming all the way over here. But what I found a lot of times, uh, this goes way back to earlier in the show, what Jeremy was talking about when it came to keyboard and feel and things like that is if you're not careful sometimes buying those online, getting a really good deal. And there's some great deals out there. But I always tell people, go to a local store. Go to one of your local big box stores or computer stores and actually put your hand on what you're talking about because you may not like the way that keyboard feels. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't type. I'm a terrible typist. Um, I've been in you know, doing computers professionally for my entire career, but I cannot type. So different keyboards do not work well for me. I know people, you know, we have people who are like in our finance department, accountants. They actually want the keyboard, the numbers to feel or look a certain way. And it, it, oh, does it makes become, a difference. Yeah, yeah it, do, it does become a very personal Especially if you're experience. on it all day. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people, you know, like like what's was saying, you know, accountants and all, they need like an extra number pad or an extra keypad. Uh, you're only going to see those in the bigger model laptops. They can't squeeze those into the smaller ones. But it is always possible to get something like a, a USB uh, little number pad that you can plug up to it. So even if it doesn't quite meet all the needs that you have but you still like it, you can find a way to make it work. Like I have a smaller little 13-inch laptop, and I have one of those keypads that I hook up to it whenever I do spreadsheets and stuff, and that works great because I want it to stay small, but I still want to be able to have access to something convenient like a keypad. See, with me, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I'm actually starting to look, instead of these little 13-inch laptops like I have, I'm wanting a little bit more real estate because I'm noticing that um, – you know, my uh, my arms, like just like with my phone, my arms have all of a sudden gotten a lot longer for some reason or whatever it is. I have a little bit harder time seeing it, but but you know that's the thing too. And we, you know, it's really easy to you know talk about things like you know specs, RAM, CPU, hard drives, memory, all these. Other, you know, we got acronyms for acronyms, um, but we can't forget that part of it. It needs to fit you. You need to like yeah. it. I mean, you know, I use a laptop exclusively. My wife is not going to carry a computer anywhere. She is much more. We have a, she has a desktop in the house. Um, you know, desktops, you're going to pay a little bit less. Um, it's going to be a little bit more upgradable generally. Yeah. But, but it, it was the tool that fit what she needed. I'll tell you, man, I, guys, I, I am a desktop guy and I don't know why. I mean, I see the advantages. I mean, I have a, I have a Microsoft Surface Pro. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the three, so it's like 47 years old, but I mean, I still use it and, and it's the, it's the one that it's, it's the full meal deal that runs windows like a, it's like a, Mm -hmm. basically, it's like a handheld PC 
And that is super useful in a lot of ways. But there's just something about a desktop computer that I'm still drawn to. Maybe it's because of my age and how I was introduced to computers and what it was to me for the longest time. But I'm still a desktop guy. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, it goes back to that first question we mentioned at the, very, you know, at the top of the show. What are you going to use it for? My wife wants to use it exclusively in the office, and that's where she's actually wanting it set up for, and everything, you know, all the multiple monitors are set up for, and it's it's what she needed. She didn't need that extra cost of portability. Now, for me, I use a laptop back and forth from home to work. Now, I can actually dock my laptop, um, which is basically I plug in a cable for it when I get up to the office, and I still have my multiple monitors, my full-size keyboards, and just like a desktop computer, but I need the mobility for what I do. Yeah. Whereas she doesn't. And again, so there's no reason to have spent that extra money. You know, if you're a desktop guy, dang it, that's the right tool for you. And that's the right tool for the job. You don't need a Corvette when all you might need is just a Chevette. So oh, for me, it uh, <laughs> should be a T-shirt. I, I like it. I'm also a desktop guy because of the ability to repair it when something goes wrong with it. These oh, days, yeah. laptops, you know, all the components are being integrated, especially in your Macs. You've got... Uh, uh, removable solid-state drive. That's it. You can't remove the processor. You can't remove the RAM. If anything goes wrong with your Mac, you have to replace the entire logic board, and that is an expensive repair. Yeah. So, you know, say my desktop, say the motherboard in my desktop dies, I just go find another one that's compatible with all the components that I've already got in there that I know work, and I can replace just that one piece. I am forever a desktop guy because of that right there. It is so much easier to service repair and troubleshoot a desktop than it is a laptop because there's so many more things that you can pull out of it and go, okay, all right, well, this may not be working. Let's put another one in there and try that. Yeah, I never recommend opening up a laptop unless you really, 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 (laughs) really know what you're doing. And even then, give it a second thought. All right, I got to get these phone calls. I'm I'm the worst in the world. You're you're finding uh, my my crutch is not being able to drive traffic <laughs> on this show properly. This is what producing for five years and not hosting will will get you. Uh, so I got three phone calls, and I apologize for the link that you've held on, but we're getting to you now. We'll start with Jim in Myrtle. Jim, thanks for calling in. Uh, good morning, guys. I appreciate your program. My, you. I got a quick question for you. I've got an old app on my tablet from a DJI drone, I need to transfer it to another tablet. Is that possible? Uh, yes, but not easily. Uh, you're going to have to go into that tablet and pull out the APK file, but once you put it on the other Android device, you're going to need to make sure that you go in and allow it to install uh, apps that aren't from the App Store. You'll have to go into your app security settings to enable that, and it is entirely possible that it may not work on that other tablet. Is it the same kind of tablet? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just okay. a newer version. Okay. So it's possible that that will work, uh, but usually when it's a newer version of a tablet, it's running a newer version of Android, and that older APK, that APK file, that app file, is not going to work on that newer tablet because... When Android changes, they update all these different software libraries and all this stuff, and that app may be looking for something that no longer exists in Android or is in a different place in Android. So you may run into some issues there. Okay. Well, I'm coming down to the coast the last part of June, and I'll run by your shop and let you look at them. Okay. Um, I will say that I have a DJI drone myself, that I have a... uh, uh, like a certain version of the app on there that I do not want to change because it doesn't make it phone home to DJI before I launch my drone. And I absolutely refuse to update from that version because I don't think that that's a necessary feature for me, a certified drone pilot, to need uh, that device to do. So I totally understand wanting to keep the older version, um, and I will, uh, I'll do my best. Okay, thanks. Jim, nice we, talk to you guys. Jim, we appreciate it. I, I know a lot of times when you try to install a third-party APK on your Android, um, it will automatically – well, number one, it will tell you that you don't have permission to do that, and it will ask you in, to go into the settings. And a lot of times, you know, depending on, on what device you're using and, and how up, updated – uh, your software is, it will actually give you a link to click and it will send you into the settings where you can do that. It's it's fairly easy to do. They don't always, like, you guys probably don't always suggest doing that with everything that you download that's third party, uh, but well, it, it be will... be very cautious unless you exactly know what you're... If, you, if you're meaning to do it. Yeah. 
All right, let's uh, get back to it. Next up is Dean, who's called in from Brandon. Thing, uh, Dean, thanks for being patient with us. What's going on? Hey, how are y'all today? Excellent. I have a quick question. I have an older Toshiba laptop. Uh, it's been working fine. The other day we go to turn it on to do some work on it, and we get the blue screen that says you need to install your uh, your backup disk or your original installed disk to get the computer to come back on. And, of course, naturally, it's another career. We don't have that uh, startup disk anymore. Right. Um, is there any way to get this thing back on just so I can get the information off of it? I, I, it's probably just old. And I need to get a new one, but I have a lot of stuff on it I'd like to get off. Well, um, for those older Toshiba laptops, you can flip it over, and there should be a little bay door on the bottom of it. You can pull that drive out. Uh, that should be a SATA hard drive. Two and a half mm-hmm. inch. Uh, you can go uh, to a local store or you can go online and find a USB to SATA adapter and you can slide that drive in that enclosure and plug it right up to another computer and pull the files off as long as there's nothing wrong with the hard drive. Right. Yeah, those little cable sets, what, they're maybe 15 ish bucks or so. We use the heck yeah. out of that. Yeah, even the cables or like the enclosure. Sorry. Right. But there's no way to get this one back on. Well, I mean, it's possible that you could go in and refresh the OS files, but that's going to take all of your data and put it in a Windows.old folder, um, which, I mean, it's not not difficult to get to. It just kind of replaces where it was. So if you do that, it won't. Your data won't be there in the, in the usual folder. It'll be in C colon slash Windows.old, and then it'll be in your users directory in there. So your suggestion would be just take the hard drive out of it, take it, and, and download it onto the new one or whatever. Or download Absolutely. Onto, onto Absolutely. A because, because if you try to reinstall Windows, you risk possibly deleting that data. So it would just okay. be easier just to take that out of the equation, quit trying to fix Windows, and just put it in an enclosure, and then just pull the data that you need off. That way you okay. don't have to do anything that could potentially damage anything. Okay, and, and put it on a flash drive or whatever. I got you. Yeah, much, much safer, a lot less risk of corrupting your data. Yeah. It's probably just bit the dust. It's just an older system. Probably just bit the dust. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much. Dean, thanks for the call this morning. Let's stay on the phones. And we have uh, Cheryl up next calling us from Oxford. Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Um, I have a question about a 2011 uh, MacBook. It is so outdated and runs so slowly that... It's not even usable. Is yes. there anything I can do with that? Um, well, to, um, <laughs> I, I, I hate. Go ahead. I just had one of these in my shop not too long ago, and there are certain things that you can do to get a little bit more speed out of it. But overall, it's time to start considering uh, an upgrade. Um, you can put a little bit more memory into it to get a little more speed out of it, and you could also bring it up to. Um, uh, let's see. I think it's El Capitan is as far as you can come. Depending on right. what type of processor that you've got in it, your operating system is roughly going to be three to four years old. Um, so I would recommend um, RAM upgrade, mm-hmm. and then you could also you could get a decent size solid state drive, say like a 256 gigabyte solid state drive. That would get you a lot more speed out of it because. Those solid-state drives, they don't have any mechanical parts in them, and they, they operate very quickly. So I would recommend those two things because that MacBook still has a replaceable hard drive, and it still allows you to replace the RAM as well. I do have a uh, desktop iMac because so, mm-hmm. I had to, you know, upgrade. But I do really like this MacBook, and I thought maybe I could just – can you reset it to, like, factory settings? Would that well, help see, any – um, it would help a little bit, but eventually you're going to start putting your stuff back on there and loading apps on it, and it's just going to get slowed down again because it's not so much that the Mac is unfit to handle it. It's just that these days they require so much more power to be able to do things online. Like websites have changed so much. You know, we didn't always have HD graphics on a website, but now we do, and some computers yeah. struggle to load those things because they were never designed to even handle those things. So, right. Um, the, the main issue with the speed is going to come from how much memory that you have in the MacBook. Yeah, and the same thing with my uh, mini, I have two mini iPads, and now they're mm-hmm. useless too because they're not updatable. 
That's correct. And those, there's yeah, there's there's nothing that you can do for those other than just um, keep. Like they don't offer any updates at all anymore. You're saying? I would recommend not updating them because yeah. the more the more that iOS demands more out of that little iPad Mini, the more it just gets bogged down because, like I said, it just wasn't designed to handle all the demands that we've got on our devices these days. Cheryl, we appreciate the call from Oxford this morning. Uh, we got about four minutes left in the show. We're going to bring in Scott, who's called from Jackson. Scott, thanks for calling. Yeah, I have a Lenovo ThinkPad. It's about maybe three and a half years old. And when I boot it up, it keeps when you put the data in. And so I think the internal battery is dead. What do I need to do? Take it away, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're, uh, there, there's two batteries there. Um, it's possible that ThinkPad has just a regular battery that pulls out of it, but there's going to be another battery that's attached to the motherboard called a CMOS battery, and you're going to need to have that swapped out. Um, okay. is, it every, is it every time that it loses power, it tells you that it doesn't know what day it is? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, definitely get that battery swapped out, and that should fix that issue. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Scott, mm-hmm. we appreciate the call from Jackson. Wiltz, you have uh, you've written a couple of books, and one of them is called "I Plugged It In." Now what? Tell us a little bit about what what all goes into that, because it, it's you mentioned that the first chapter is particularly tied to the topic of this show today. Well, I, actually, it, it is. Um, you know, a little bit of a backstory. Whenever I first wrote uh, a couple of books, you know, as me and Jeremy run into quite a bit when it comes to working in IT, we get a lot of, of questions, a lot of common questions, and so. So my idea was to come up with some ways to explain it in nice, normal language, as I kind of jokingly say, in a way that even my mother-in-law can understand. <laughs> by the way, that ha- that statement has been approved by my mother-in-law, so oh, very good. I'm not getting in trouble. But one of the main things that I came up with in, in the book you mentioned was uh, definitely how to pick out your next computer, because... You know, so many times we go to the store, you're looking online, you're like, okay, what, what is RAM? What does this really mean? What do I need? You know, what, what are the answers to that question? What do I need? And so that's what I tried to kind of go into. If, if you're looking at doing this, this is, this is what you're really looking at. Uh, you know, some other things I went into is like things about how do you, you know, what is the cloud? How do you get your email under control? How do you properly back up your computer? And, and some of those things, but... But yeah, all in trying to just make it to where we can all really understand it. Um, my idea with that particular chapter was I actually went into the store, grabbed a computer label off the side of a box, took a picture of it, and I wrote the chapter to describe each one of the line items in a regular regular way of speaking. Very good. We're going to have links to where you can get these two books that uh, Wiltz has written on our Facebook page. Uh, and also uh, the work that Jeremy is doing down in Hattiesburg. We'll have that uh, so uh, you can have quick access to that on our Facebook page, which is up and running. It's facebook.com forward slash everyday tech MPB. Today's show was engineered by Java Chapman and the phone boss is Lori Thompson. I am Jay White, the host. And for Wilts and Jeremy, this has been Everyday Tech. Join us again next Wednesday at 10 o'clock and stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart right here on MPB Think Radio.